The question I want to start with today is, how do we love God? The greatest commandment, Jesus says, in the whole Old Testament is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he obviously gives the second one. The greatest is to love God. How do we do that? I mean, physical touch, give God a hug, right? What are God's love languages? Maybe all of them. I mean, he kind of created that, I'm sure. How is it that we love God? So today we're starting our fall series called Love God, Share Life, Proclaim Jesus. And these are one of our, some of our core values as a church and really our mission statement, that we exist to love God, to share life with one another, and to proclaim Jesus in this world. And so for today and then the next five weeks following, we're going to explore these themes. We're going to do two weeks on each one of these things. So next week we're going to be talking about love God as well. And the two words we're going to focus on this week and next, today is appreciation, and next week is attention. Two very important ways that we can love God. And here's what we're going to find today. Appreciation leads to encounter. When we are thankful, when we praise God, it leads us into a place of encountering God, of meeting Him, of experiencing His love for us when we choose to appreciate Him. So to do that, we're going to read Psalm 34. We're going to, we're going to see this in this passage. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. It'll be up on the screen. We're going to read this together. I'll give you a second to turn there. Psalm 34. We're going to read this whole chapter, Okay. All right, Psalm 34, right in the middle of the Bible, open it up, probably get pretty close to it. It says, of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, so that he drove him out and he went away. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. 
Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. All right, I'm going to give you a couple more minutes here to keep you, keep you focused. What stuck out to you in this passage? And if you've got time, you can say, what does this passage tell you about God? What stuck out to you? Talk to somebody near you. And if you've got time, what does this tell us about God? Okay, go. Okay, 30 seconds. All right, so <clears throat> praise the Lord because he can speak to us in so many different ways and there's a lot in this passage. Here's one thing that I want to highlight that really stuck out to me. Of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech that he drove him out and he went away. Now, how many times have I read this psalm and I just breeze right over that? You know, okay, let's get to the good stuff, right? Let's get to the emotional, you know, connection with God and calling out to God and the praise and everything. But it's funny that that's at the front of this psalm. Now, here's the story. Here's the background to this. Okay, this is from 1 Samuel 21. David is anointed king. He kills Goliath, right? Sorry, and and then um, he's kind of like, He's a kind of a, a military leader in some ways and starts killing lots of different peoples. And then Saul starts to get jealous of that. He's the guy that's the king in Israel at the time. Saul disobeys God. He kind of, you know, God says, you know, he's lost his way. And so David's kind of waiting to be, enth- to be enthroned king, but uh, it doesn't happen for a long time. I think it's actually like 40 years. And so during that time, Saul gets angry at David and starts pursuing him to kill him. There's just like a whole book of the Bible of Saul chasing David around and trying to kill him. Okay? So it's like years and years of his life. So this is, the, this is the context that we, we, we pick up this, just these couple verses in 1 Samuel 21. This is what it said. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath, which is when the Philistines, this is the enemies of Israel. And the servants of Achish said to him, is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Okay? 
Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. That passage didn't say a word about God, did it? There was, God was not mentioned once in that section. Isn't it so interesting that when David escapes from the hands of his enemies that would have sought to do him harm, right, these Philistine leaders that said, hey, wait, this is the guy that's killed lots of our people. He gives credit to God for rescuing him. That is incredible to me. He writes this psalm as a response to what happened in his life that he attributes to the hand of God. Appreciation leads to encounter. What David is doing here is looking at the circumstances in his life and he's giving God credit for the good things that have come his way. He's giving God thanks, right? And then he's turning that into worship and saying, wow, God, thank you so much for this. And you did it because you're good, because you're awesome, and I praise your name. Appreciation leads to encounter. David takes that moment to start thinking, right? He's a songwriter. He was a shepherd on the hills, kind of, you know, writing all these psalms. You know that about him. He takes this moment, whenever that is, to write this, and what happens is he starts to express this appreciation. The Holy Spirit comes on him, and he pens words of Scripture. He encounters God in an even greater degree as he recognizes the goodness of God in his life. Thankfulness and worship to God, it leads us to an encounter with Him. Ann Voskamp is a popular author. I've spoken with her. Spoken with her. No, I have not spoken with her. That would have been awesome. I've spoken about her a number of times. Um, and she wrote a book called A Thousand Gifts. It was a New York Times number one bestseller. And uh, the story is basically a, a lot of it is of her journey out of uh, a place of real bondage and into freedom. Her, her older sister, I believe when Anne was four years old, uh, they were playing in the yard, ran into the street and was hit by a, a semi-truck, obviously died instantly. It destroyed her family. Her parents were, got divorced. They just, they just could not handle the grief. And so she, as a result of that, just, just uh, was really trapped by anxiety and fear, just to, to like an extreme, like just interacting with people in public, like going out, was really a fearful thing. And wouldn't you know, the Lord led her to this, this gift, a thousand gifts, the gift of gratitude, of recognizing the goodness of God in every moment of life, despite our circumstances, seeing the places where God has been good to us and thanking him for those. And so the challenge was that she would be a thankful for a thousand things. And when she did that, something in her broke, and the anxiety and the fear was gone. And she was a new person. And that led her into this, this obviously this huge uh, place of influence and not only a place of gratitude but also in experiencing and encountering God just in those little places in life. That is what David is doing here, right? God is all around us. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. Everything. Everything that is good in this world originated in the heart of God. It was not our idea. It was God's idea. Every, every, every wonderful interaction you have with a person, 
Every fabulous meal is a gift from God. And God loves to give us good gifts. And when we acknowledge that, when we appreciate what God has done, it leads us into a place of worship, which leads us into an encounter with Jesus. To know our God in our heart. And look at all the language that David is using here. The Psalms are very experiential. He's talking about history. of like, I sought the Lord. He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Maybe that was one of the things you picked up on in this. Over and over again, it's talking about, I saw God, he answered me. God is the one that delivers people. He, he relieves the brokenhearted, right? Taste and see. Sense with your mouth. Look with your eyes and see that God is good. Experience him. This poor man cried, the Lord heard him. Saved him out of his troubles, Right? Appreciation leads to encounter. An encounter is what changes our life. Now there's two main sides to this I've been describing, right? Oftentimes it starts with a place of thanksgiving. David's thanking God for rescuing him from the Philistines. And obviously he's writing in a kind of a generic way, which is why I often just skip over the context of that first verse, because then it applies to me, right? Like, I sought the Lord, right? And he answered me, delivered me from all my fears. Oh Lord, please do it. I'm seeking you. Deliver me, right? We thank God for the good things in our lives, the ways that he's, that he's answered our prayers, okay? even just the little things that we enjoy. But it moves to a place of praise where we're not just appreciating the gifts, but we're appreciating the giver. Right? We say, God, man, you are so kind. Oh, I can't believe every time I come to you, you open your arms, regardless of all the things that I've done today wrong or anything in my past. Oh, God, you're so patient with me. I can't believe how patient you are. I appreciate your patience so much. You be patient with someone that, you know, so often stumbles and falls. Oh, God, you're so gentle, right? Oh, you're so faithful. You never give up on me, God. You've never once turned your back on me. And you've never done wrong to any person ever in the history of the world. You're always faithful. Your track record is perfect. Oh, God, you're so awesome. Oh, God, you are so powerful. I can't believe you were able to do that. I was in that situation with the Philistines. Man, I thought I was dead as a dog, and you got me out of there. I just recognized you. That was your idea, not mine, to, to act crazy, right? God's telling you to do that. It's probably not God, but, you know, extreme circumstances there, okay? <clears throat> right? You just see how praise, right, when we, when we start living a life of gratitude, it leads into a life of worship and adoration, Right, we recognize the good things from God, and then we see God's character. And when we see something beautiful, we can't help but celebrate it. <clears throat> a few years ago, when my wife and I were dating, I think it was probably eight years ago, we went on a date to Alchemy, which was a restaurant in Gloucester, downtown Gloucester, just off of Main Street. It doesn't exist anymore. They closed it a couple years ago. But uh, I will never forget the meal that we had there. I had this, uh, this like black bean and bacon soup. Oh my goodness, the flavors. I can still like remember the taste from that meal. And then I had this, this fish dish. Um, sorry, I'm not trying to be Dr. Seuss here. <clears throat> All these kids' books just come to mind and you read those over and over with your kids. But it was like this had this like cute, this, this uh, cauliflower, like I don't even know what the word for a sauce is. It, there's some word for that that I don't know, but. Oh, man, I just remember my wife had the roast chicken. It was just delicious. When we encounter something beautiful, when we see something beautiful, right? You're standing in front of the Grand Canyon. 
or there's a beautiful sunset over the water, you taste something, you smell a fragrance that is beautiful, you want to celebrate that. Right? There's something natural in our hearts that when we see beauty, our hearts rejoice. Right? And so much more with God. When we encounter Jesus, there's nothing that we can do but to celebrate the beauty, the glory, the majesty, the holiness, the wonder of God, the gentleness, the compassionate heart, the one that's slow to anger. He's always patient. He always has a listening ear. Oh, man, he's so good. He is so good. Appreciation leads to encounter. And when we, when we appreciate something, when we celebrate something, we want to do that with other people, Right? So years ago, when the Red Sox finally won the World Series in 2004, right, that was a big deal for me. I remember telling God, I am not going to the mission field because until the Red Sox win the World Series. Because if I'm in the middle of Africa, right, I'm not going to get to see it and they win, I'll be crushed, right, for the rest of my life, okay? That was an idol. It's, I think it's destroyed now, but, you know, but they did win, so I don't know how that worked out. All that to say, I remember thinking about going to the parade, okay? I had the chance to go to the parade and... I, I, I couldn't find anybody to go with, and I was just like, oh, I should just drive down there and go. And I just said, yeah, I, I'm not really a city person, so sometimes the city intimidates me a little bit and, you know, parking and all that. So I just was like, you know what, I'm going to stay home. And I just watched it on TV. So I just turned on the TV and, you know, kind of watched little clips of the parade, and it was just kind of like, not that great. And somehow I thought, like, okay, the game, like when you watch the game, it's still awesome to watch the game, right? There's this, this suspense. You don't know what's going to happen. But the celebration afterwards, after everything was done, it was just kind of like, this is boring. I can turn this off. You know, I wish I had gone. Bummer. You know? Why is that? Because we want to celebrate with other people, right? We want to celebrate together. When something good happens in your life, what's the first thing you do? Well, maybe you put it on Facebook, but then you tell a friend, right? You tell a friend, wow, check this out. Like, oh man, can you believe this? You know? When something is really tasty, oftentimes we want to guard it to ourselves and say, eat your own meal, right? But, but, but I think it tastes better when you share it. When you're celebrating, you say, oh, man, you have to taste this. It's so delicious. When we celebrate together, there's power in that. We're bringing other people into the beauty that we are encountering, and we're magnifying that together, right? Let us magnify the Lord. Come, let us gather, right? Come, let us worship. There's something also powerful about us appreciating God together. This is not a solo worship experience, right, that you can have the same thing in your room, with, you know, YouTube. Although, hey, that's awesome too, right? Not discounting that. But God is also calling us, when we come together as a people, we are called to enter into a place of appreciation. And guess what? It's not just for you. Because appreciation leads to encounter. When we worship God together, it's inviting God's presence in this room, and you never know what the Holy Spirit is going to do in that situation. Sometimes people are just worshiping, and people are just getting healed right in the service, because everyone is just welcoming God so much. They're appreciating, they're expressing so much that God is just so welcome in the room that people are just getting touched left and right. You've felt it before, haven't you? Can you remember that special worship service you were at? And man, you just felt the presence of God and you just knew you were loved in that moment. I, I would, I'd be willing to say that probably happens more often when you're gathered with a group of people together to worship. Now, what's the result when I worship God. Psalm 115 says, you are what you worship. Not in those words, but essentially it says, 
He has this long litany of idols, right? What idols can do? Not much. They have mouths but can't speak. They have ears that can't hear, right? They're made of wood and stone. They can't, they can't do anything. <clears throat> it says, those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. Whatever we worship, we become like. And so when we worship God, we become more like him. When we behold him, when we start thinking and, and, and expressing what God is like, his qualities, his character, that starts to become more of who we are. We are changed when we worship. A second thing, we were made to do this. We were made to appreciate God. We become fully alive when we, when we live a life of gratitude, moment by moment, experiencing and encountering the presence of God as we thank him. Next week, we're going to talk about, you know, Brother Lawrence, the other, the other avenue to this encounter with God, which is attention, giving God our attention. The same thing can happen through appreciation. Another thing, worship is warfare. Worship casts out darkness. The enemy cannot stand to hear the praises of God, especially when we do it when we're suffering. There's no greater time to worship the Lord. Right? Maybe you've read that story in the Old Testament. This large army was coming towards Jerusalem, and the king was afraid. He says, what do we do, Lord? And a prophet gets up and says, the Lord will fight for you. Gather the men and go out to battle. And then the narrative, it says, they went out, and then the king has a great idea. He says, maybe it was from the Lord. I'm guessing it probably was. doesn't say that, though. King says, let's get all the worshipers with their instruments, and we're going to send them out first. That's a stupid plan, right? I mean, <laughs> give them a spear. Come on, give them something to fight with. Don't give them a harp. What are they going to do with that? Right? And it says that they went out, and as they were worshiping, the Lord set an ambush, and there were, three, there were three nations that were coming against them that had aligned with each other, and they all destroyed one another. And by the time they got to the battle, everyone was dead. And they just gathered the plunder for three days and carried it back to Jerusalem, and that was the end of it. Worship is warfare against darkness, guys. <clears throat> this, this past year, my wife, um, there's just some hard things going on in her family, and we were just so downcast by some of the things that uh, there was only one thing that we could do. It was hard to even pray. We just put some worship music on. We got, after we put the kids down, we got on our porch, and we just worshiped the Lord. Because sometimes that's all you can do. You can't even pray because you don't even know what to say, but you can worship God. Because in the stance of a place of suffering, you can still say, God, you are good. My experience does not determine what I believe about you. The word of God does. Right? Worship is warfare. It battles against darkness. It, it makes it flee. You see that again in the story of David, right? When David worships, the evil spirit leaves Saul. Just another, another, another proof text there. Okay? And of course, the last thing is, as I've been saying over and over again, we encounter God and we experience him. The greatest of all, Right? The Bible says the Lord is enthroned on the praises of Israel. There's something about when we sing, when we expect to ex ex express appreciation or give gratitude to God, that God comes down in a special way. So how do we do it? Let me just say there's, there's, there's kind of two paths here that I want to offer to you into a heart of worship. The first is just doing it. When you come on Sunday morning, you say, you know what? We are gathered to worship, and it's time to go to battle for my friends here in this room, not just for me. God is worthy of it. I know he's good. I'm just gonna stand in this place and express it. Even if I don't feel it, even if I'm not feeling it today, I'm saying, nope, the Bible says God is good. I know he's good. My circumstances are difficult, but I am proclaiming truth above my experience, right? 
But that can lead to a place where we then encounter God. We can do that with gratitude. Often that's an easier place to start. We just say, God, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful that I had a bagel for breakfast today. I'm thankful that I didn't trip on my way in. I'm th- I mean, just whatever it is, just start expressing gratitude for the little things that you say, this is a gift from God. There's nothing again in that passage about David that says anything about God doing anything, but David gave the credit to God. He thanked him for rescuing him. The other path is just seeking God to encounter him. Because what happens is this, guys. As we start to appreciate God, we will encounter him. And when we encounter him, man, we appreciate that. Right? It it, it feeds on itself. And so as we encounter God in a secret place, in a quiet place by ourselves, that leads us to a life of gratitude and worship. Gosh, when, we, you know, when, when people are seeing God high and lifted up, they can't help but praise the Lord. Right? When they see his beauty, when they see his magnitude. So seeking God, and we'll talk more about this next week, in a place of attention, giving God our attention, leads to encounters with God as well. And it leads us then back cyclically into a place of appreciation, thanksgiving, and worship. We have a choice. We have a choice. We are not victims, right? I have the power to choose through Christ who strengthens me. That's a paraphrase, right? I can do hard things through Jesus who strengthens me. I can choose to praise God, to exalt his name, to give thanks, even when I'm not kind of feeling it in here. We have that choice, but appreciation always leads to encounter. It's always welcoming God to meet us in that place that we'll know that he's our rescuer. Right? What does the psalmist say? He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's commanding his soul. He's taking charge. He's saying, I will praise God. I will praise him. O my soul, praise the Lord. He's speaking to himself. He's saying, you can do this despite the circumstances of your life. And guys, a culture of worship flows out of a culture of encounter, and a culture of encounter flows from a culture of worship. They feed each other. All right, let's have the band come back up. This is my heart's desire, guys, is that we as a church would really, would really lay hold of uh, that appreciation leads to encounter. Everyone wants to encounter Jesus. Well, I just mentioned to say everybody. But most of us in this room, I would assume, probably do. We say, oh, God, you know, would you meet me in this place? We need to do our part in inviting God in through appreciation, through giving him thanks and worshiping him. And so I just sense our heart, our, my vision in this room, what I sense that, hey, if we all start getting a hold of this, and we say, I don't care how I'm feeling, if I woke up sleepy or I was grumpy or I had a fight with my spouse on the way here, you know, or I tripped and, you know, fell on my face, I am going to worship God. Regardless of my circumstances, I am going to lay this down and I'm going to say, God, I will worship you with my whole heart. I'm going to give you everything I can give you right now because you're worthy of it and because I want to encounter you, Right? That is my vision for this room, that we would become, that God would take us to the next level of worshiping him. And through that, we would encounter him. And then as we encounter him, we would worship more. Oh, Lord, would you do it? Holy Spirit, would you come? Guys, would you stand? We're going to sing two songs at the end today. We only did two on the front end. We usually do three. We're going to do two on the end. So I've, I've, I've tried to create a little extra space for us here to really respond. Here's the word today. God, just, God, would you help us to worship you regardless of what we're feeling, regardless of, of, of however the band is doing or not, 
regardless of how I'm feeling about the person next to me. Lord, we just lay aside the distractions. And Lord, would you help us to enter into a worship? We want to encounter you. Let's show God that we love him today. Let's love on him in one of his love languages, right? This is words of affirmation. Let's do it. Let's praise him.